Welcome to Preach to Teach. I'm your host, Pastor Cliff Miller Sr. This part of the show is called Basic Training. Some might call it Bible study, but we call it Basic Training because we start with the basics. A little bit at a time, not trying to overwhelm you or impress you with fancy words and sayings. If you're looking for a performance, this ain't that show. If you're looking for somebody to manipulate the word to make you feel good and make us sound impressive, this ain't that show. Dr. Lehman Newtall, Senior Pastor of Thy Word Worship Center, located in Plymouth, Minnesota, breaks the word down in a way that everybody can understand, showing you the Greek and Hebrew translations that you may not know the meaning to, making sure that you have all the tools as a Christian to handle the ways of the world. So without any further ado, let's jump right into this session of basic training with Dr. Lehman Newtall. Father, I thank you, Lord. Thank you once again for your grace, your mercy. I thank you for allowing this platform to exist for your word. Those that are under the sound of my voice, Lord, I pray that you will move, God, on their behalf, God, and see their heart, their compassion for you, their word. Bless this Bible study. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Help me, Lord. Bible study, basic training. That's what we call it tonight. That's what we call it. You know, when you're doing basic training, you, you prepare... To, for war, there's there's a lot of passages of scriptures where pastors intentionally avoid talking about teaching or preaching or ministering on because there there's some there's some scriptures in here that that's that's not easy to interpret, especially when you're just getting started as pastor. So as a, you know, it's been doing it now for almost twenty years. I got a better understanding than I had a year ago. So, speaking of understanding, I, I, I like to always go to Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. And the King James translation says this, My son, if you will receive my words and hide my commandments with you so that you incline your ear unto wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Verse 3, yes, if you Christ after knowledge and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her for hid, for hid for treasures, it's like hidden treasures. Then shall you understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. And the next Chapter, chapter 4, verse 7, one verse. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get an understanding. Here's the wisest man that ever lived. Ask God for understanding. And, uh, so, of course, wisdom is not understanding. Wisdom is different from understanding. And you can, The Bible gives you wisdom, but that don't mean you understand what it's saying. And so God has raised God raised up t- real, true teachers. Now there's a lot of false ones out here that's distorting the word of God. 
But there's some men and women of God who's God ordained, he's called, and he's chose to, ex to explain the word of God to his people. That's my job. That's my assignment. That's my work. It's not a job, but it's my work. It's what I've created to do. So let's go to the word of God. That's Last week, we talked about some subjects and we was talking about relationship versus fellowship. The Bible says, get, get understanding. And that's what you got to have. No sense of getting a lot of knowledge and a lot of information and wisdom and you don't have any understanding. So let's, let's look at it. Relationship versus fellowship. Now, the only difference between a relationship between a father and a child and a husband and a wife is procreation. Now, but there's a there's a difference between a relationship between a father and child and the relationship between a husband and a wife. In other words, a father that has a child will always be related to that child no matter what. Their relationship biologically or genetically will never change, even if they don't have fellowship. Fellowship is communication. Fellowship is talking, having a rapport. Now, a lot of people that have children, a lot of fathers that have children, they're not even in the children's life. But they're still related. But there's no, there's no fellowship, or there, there's no communication. They're not really raising the child. And so we was talking about the Word of God, Jesus being a, a father to us, the ones that accept Christ. And so I got some scriptures today because I, I really want you to get an understanding. And I noticed that people never really mentioned the fact that God is going to be a husband to us. Those that receive Christ as a Savior, as their personal Savior, Lord and Savior, we may call God Father now when we pray. But once we go and live with him, we will be he will be our husband. Let's go to the word of God. I, I don't want to confuse nobody. That's all right. But I was confused at first too. Because God showed me the, the only difference between a, a husband and wife relationship and a father and child relationship is procreation. To, to have children. To make more kids. But the primary purpose or role of a father is to provide, is to love, is to lead, and is to protect. The exact same characteristics of a husband should have with his wife. Same thing. 
Only difference is there's no procreation in a father and child relationship. But understand when you get to heaven, the Bible says that we will all be like the angels. We won't be angels, we'll be like the angels. That means we will live forever. There'll be no need for procreation. There'll be no need to make children. The only reason procreation is in existence is because the people die. And to keep populating the earth, somebody has to be born. But in heaven, there'll be no need to procreate because nobody will die. Everybody will live forever. Now, I want you to look at Hosea chapter 2, verse 16. And the King James translation says like this. And it shall come to pass, and it shall be at that day, said the Lord, that you shall call me Ishi and shall call me no more Bailey. Now, a reason why I read it after King James is because these words, the words, a lot of words in Hebrew, the Bible was written in Hebrew and translated into English. A lot of you already know that. But there's a lot of words in Hebrew that has different meanings unlike English. A lot of words in English have different meanings too, but you have to understand what was the meaning or the definition of the word that's used in the Bible that was translated. And so my King James says, Ishi. Now the word Ishi in Hebrew means husband. And there's a lot of translations that have God saying, and the, on that day, Hosea saying, God is prophesied through Hosea telling his Israelites, his people, that in that day, you shall call him husband and no longer call him Baal. Now, Baal, I'm giving you a little history now. Belly is, was a, is a false god. It was a chief god of the, of the Canaanites. The people God told, do not follow. Don't play with them. Don't get next to them. Don't be with them because they're wicked and evil. But they, the Bible says that when Hosea was ministering to them in this chapter, this was a dark, dark time in his Israelites' history in their life because they had turned away from God. Yeah, the, the very ones God had blessed and called his kids. They, he called them his children. He told them in that day because they were getting ready to be taken into exile. Now they were free. They, they wasn't slaves at this time, but they was getting ready to be punished by God. He was going to use other nations to, to come and teach them a lesson because they had they turned away from God and, and start serving other, other gods of Baal. And the reason why they were serving Baal because they were confused because they thought that the God of, the, the Baal was the storm God. It was the chief God of, of the Canaanites. It was the, the, the God that brought rain that they thought. They thought it, he brought rain and they ple if they pleased that God and it, it rained for them, it would provide for them. 
with for their their wheat and their and their grain and their and their grapes for making wine and their oil for cooking and the oil that they cook with and the oil that they put in their lanterns and so they could see at night and that so they could light the lanterns and and see and so that that oil was provided when the rain came down and and, and the crops would grow and be fertilized. But Hosea told him there's gonna come a time that you're gonna you're not gonna call Baal your husband, because Baal also means husband. But God said, You're gonna know that it's me that was supplying and providing for you all those times when you turned your back on me. It was me. It was me making sure the crops grew. It was me that provided food for your plate. It was me who provided. But you're going to find out in that day, what day, that day when they come back into covenant and a covenant of marriage with God. Now, Baal names, which means husband, but it also means master. It means Lord. And it also means owner. Just like when you you live or you rent a, an apartment or a townhouse, you you don't own it. The landlord owns it. And so he controls everything. And so this was a, a God that was controlling them. And so God said, I, I don't want you to look at me as a person that's controlling you and, 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 and making you feel like you have to do what I say. I want you to look at me as a husband, as, as a provider as a protector, as a leader, as a lover. That's what the Bible says. God will one day be called husband by his people. Well, somebody said, well, that's the old covenant. Well, let's fast forward to this, the new covenant, the, the New Testament. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. For, for I am jealous over you. This is Paul talking. I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. That word chaste means pure. Now Paul was telling the Corinthians, I'm the one that espoused you. That word espoused we get the word spouse from that word spouse. And Paul said, I'm the one that hooked you up. I'm the one that brought you the, the gospel. I'm the one that connected you with God. And he will be your husband. And I'm jealous, but I'm not, I don't have a bad jealousy. It's a good jealousy now. Like I want you to I want you to understand that. Now God said he was a jealous God. Now you can write down Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24, and, and Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. God said, now, he told them in the, the commandments that he gave them, he said, I'm a jealous God. I'm letting y'all know. So have no other gods before me. I'm not having it because... I'm a jealousy because when I'm see when just like when you're a husband, you don't want your wife with other men in their life or with other husbands. And, uh, so God said, I'm, I'm just like that. I'm preparing you 
to be ready to leave, to understand my relationship with you. So when you get to heaven, when you come up here with me, you will understand our relationship in advance before you show up. I'm a, I believe, I remember years ago before I, before I got saved. Now, I went to church, but I wasn't saved. Now, I know probably, I'm, I'm probably all y'all, I don't know, y'all probably were saved when y'all went, but I, I wasn't saved. I, I was going through the motion. I was jealous of my wife's relationship with God. Oh, yeah. Yes, I was. I was, I was jealous because before we got, before we started going to church, me as a husband, I was the one who was leading. Yeah, and, and I was basically leading in, as a partner, in, we're partners in crime. So we would do stuff wrong together. We was get high together, smoke dope together. Come on, y'all, I'm just being honest. I know a lot of y'all squeaky clean, y'all ain't did nothing, but I ain't, I ain't like that. that. Ain't my testimony. We, we, we did stuff together, wrong. But I wouldn't, I didn't have no relationship with God. So it didn't bother me and it didn't bother her. But one day, she heard the word of God and it gave her revelation. And then she came to God and she accepted Jesus as her personal savior. Now, here's the thing about God. Here's the thing about people. A lot of people, you go to church and you see people in church. You don't know who's real or who's faking. Oh, yeah. You know. The Bible calls them hypocrites. They're, now, hypocrite is not a bad word. The word, the word hypocrite comes from the old Greek word hypocrites, which means actor. You've seen those uh, on the on television. Those ones that they do plays and Broadway plays. They have they have this this carved picture or paper that looks like a face, but have a it have a smile on it, and they have a stick holding it holding up the picture and they'll hold it up to their face and they'll be talking behind the picture. That's that's what a that's they're they're acting. They're pretending to be something that they're not. And so there's a lot of people in church where you you don't know. They got they they can sing, they can shout, they can praise, they big in tongues too, but you don't know their heart. That's why you don't you can't put nobody there's gonna be a that's gonna be but I'm quite sure this is gonna happen. This is gonna be some people in heaven that you probably didn't think they would make it. And vice versa. There's going to be some people that don't make it that you thought would make it. See, that's, that's, the, that's the scary part about Christianity because there's a lot of false teaching and there's a lot of people that, that, that say that all you got to do is say a few words and they man it just Say you say you accept Christ and throw your hands up, say a few words, leave out the church, and don't do nothing different. That's false teaching, and I I'm not that kind of preacher. I I'm going to let you know the word of God, whether it feels good or not. But you'll never be able to say, Pastor Pastor Newtall didn't tell us that he didn't give us the the, the truth. Oh yes, I will. See, I'm trying to explain the difference between relationship and fellowship. God said, that in order for you to have a relationship with God, before he can be your husband, he's got to be, be your father. 
he's got to be the provider for you. And you got to start that down here. You can't wait till you get up there and think you're going to start it up there because it's too late. He's going to be your, your husband. And all through the Bible, the Bible talks about the bride, especially in the book of Revelation. It talks about the bride of Christ. The bride. We're his bride. We're, we're getting prepared to be his bride. You got to read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26. It talks about sanctifying and being washed inside with the word of God to cleanse you and to prepare, prepare you as a bride without spot or wrinkle to the Lord. Come on, y'all. See, this thing is, see, it's got to be taught right. And so people never think of God. A lot of people don't think it. God the Father is going to be their husband. But the scripture talks about in Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 10, it talks about uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding feast for his son. Oh, y'all know the y'all know the scripture. Read it when you when you get time. It's, it's talking about that's 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 the, how the kingdom of God is going to be. It's going to be a, a wedding feast. It's going to be a wedding, and and so we're preparing as a bride in a relationship to be with God. But it starts with fellowship. It, it starts with talking, and so a lot of people think that uh, having a relationship with God is making sure you pray. No, a relationship is dialogue, not monologue. See, when you pray, that's just you talking. But when you read, God talks to you. That's called fellowship in the relationship. I want you to look at a, a scripture that, that's so powerful, and this is so prevalent and relevant, and you got to look at it. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. My wife and I, we're, we're marriage counseling. We've been doing marriage counseling for oh, over 20 years. Way over 20 years. But just because you're married don't mean you can do marriage counseling. But God has provided for us to have that the anointing to do that. And this is one of the scriptures. This is one of the verses of scripture. By the way, we only do marriage counseling or premarital counseling and marriage counseling to Christians. Somebody say, well, you, are you being kind of prejudiced? No, I'm not being prejudiced. I'm just being honest because the advice that I give you, the, the instructions or the counsel that I'm going to give you is going to be biblical. Now, here's one that we always give married couples in premarital counsel be, before they get married. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and verse 27, it says, be, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Verse 27, neither give place to the devil. What did Paul just say by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? He said, he just said, don't be angry because anger, anger is a, it's an emotion. God created emotions. But he said, but don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, 
sometimes the sun go down at 4 30. so they so the, the counselees they always say to me you mean if we have an argument at 12 o'clock in the afternoon we got to be made up by 4 30 before the sun go down no that's not what it said it means don't fester anger it means start the process before it gets worse it says don't don't give place to the devil what does that mean that means don't give the devil an opportunity to let you have bitterness after you get angry we did a premarital counseling to one couple and this couple this 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 young man he he had all the moves he knew exactly what to say and and he wanted to marry but the thing about getting marrying her was a, a she gave him an ultimatum and i told her she had been engaged for five years that's but I, I, I saw straight through it. He was he wanted to be with her for what she could do for him. She, she had an awesome job, beautiful home, two beautiful cars, and she was nice looking, beautiful woman, God, beautiful personality. I said, any man, a right, the right one, don't really appreciate you. I said, well, give him ultimatum, let, let him know if you go do it, do it. If you go, you know, do it or get off. The, you know what I mean. So finally he agreed. We had to set up a pre-council meeting when we talked. He knew everything to say. And we left that meeting. I looked at my wife and I said, this ain't gonna work. But she wanted to get married so bad because she loved him. So he went through it. And we told him about this scripture. It's called a fight plan. It's, that's what we called in premarital counseling. We, you know, y'all in love right now, but there's gonna come a time when you don't, you're not gonna feel in love. You ain't gonna even feel in like. And so the way to the way to get a plan together, a, a peace plan, a fight plan, a conflict, how to resolve conflict, you gotta do that before the bullets start flying. So have something in place just in case, hypothetical. We're in love now, but we may not be in love tomorrow. We might be maybe mad at each other, almost hate. They have said, okay with a smile they got it they wrote it down two months into that marriage guess what happened communication broke down instead of talking that day after they had a argument or fallout he didn't say a word to her he didn't say nothing the next day he didn't say nothing the next day and I looked up and she told me that we haven't talked in 30 days. He just walked past me in the house. You see, that's what, see, a, a marriage, father and son, you're going to always, father and child, you're going to always be related. But in a marriage, if the communication breaks down, oh, you better understand. That's why the most, the, or one of the leading cause for divorce. The, the leading cause of divorce in America is, is, is finances. Not that the money was wrong, it's just that there's an argument came from who did what with the money. And so the communication breaks down. The, 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 the talking stops and the fellowship stops. And that, that's going to lead 
to divorce. So the Lord is preparing us down here for a wedding with him. And the only way we can really have a relationship with him is we have fellowship with him. His word. His word in your in, in everyday life. So I just thought I'd explain the difference between fellowship and relationship. There can be no relationship with God the Father if you don't have fellowship with him down here. It's not going to work. There's a lot of people who think all they have to do is say, like I said, say they accepted Christ. Yeah, I accept him. Yeah, I don't want to go to hell. So yeah, I accept him. But they don't do the first thing that Jesus said. He said, repent. Repent means change your mind. It means to change directions. It means to think that you used to do, that you used to like, that separates you from me. You got to stop. People that you hung around, you can't hang with them no more. Come on, Bishop, where do you get that from? Well, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures for you so you can see for yourself. See, a lot of pastors, going to, a lot of preachers, I ain't going to say pastors because if you're a real pastor, you'll, you'll, you'll talk about this one, but all preachers are not pastors, but all pastors are preachers. All right, just remember that. I'll do that in that for free. I want you to look at Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Don't ever forget this one. If you forget anything else I said, don't forget this one. And, and he said unto them, this is Jesus talking. He said unto them all, he said to all of them, if, if any man will come after me, let him first deny himself. Second, take up his cross and follow me. Now that may seem pretty simple. Jesus said, if any man it's going to follow me. That's what come after me means. It means to walk with me. It's to follow me. If you're going to follow me, there's a requirement. See, coming to Jesus is free. But walking with Jesus is going to cost you something. Salvation is a free gift. But following him, now these are Jesus' words, not mine. He said, if you're going to follow me, you got to first deny yourself. All the stuff that you really love, like I just said a minute ago, that's not pleasing to me, you got to stop. You got to deny that. You got to deny your flesh. You got your eyes going to see stuff. Before you got saved, you saw everything you saw that you like or thought that you like, you did it. You got it. But he said, you're going to follow me, you got you to change. And he said, pick up your cross. Daily. That's why I like reading out the King James. A lot of scriptures don't say daily. He said daily. Take up your cross. I want to talk about the cross for a minute, y'all. See, I know a lot of people, pastors, but preachers want to talk about the money and they want to talk about finances and prosperity. But this is something they don't like to talk about because most of the people that give in the church don't, they don't really have no relationship with God. They, they don't change their life style and they think they're all right. But Jesus said, take up your cross. Now you know the cross now. The cross now is a is a is a fashion statement to a lot of people. 
Yeah. A lot of people who wear crosses, they it's, they get covered with gold and covered with diamonds and jewelry, emeralds. It's a fashion statement. But if you really understood, like most of the people who really have a relationship with, with God, they, they understand that the cross is symbolic not of wealth, of fashion, but it's, it's symbolic of suffering, pain, anguish, humility. I mean, to be humiliated is also a symbolic of death. So that's the difference between the people who say they love God and those that just, oh, come on, y'all, those that really do it and those that just say they do it. Do you know, I'm going to talk about the cross for a minute. He said, take up your cross. The cross is a symbolic, is symbolic of crucifixion. Now, I'm not telling you all anything new. There's, there's somebody that's got to really know this, that just don't know the whole story about the cross. And so the cross is symbolic of of death, not just any death. Now, it was a it was something that was supplied to criminals for, as capital punishment. Now, I'm gonna give you some statistics. In our world today, now, lethal injection is is for people that's on death row. They, they've been sentenced to die, and they have something called lethal injection, where they inject them with a certain fluid, and it it'll take them about seven minutes to die. We also have the electric chair in our in our country, in it, and those that are sentenced to the electric chair, it'll take them between two to fifteen minutes to die. And we also have the gas chamber. Give you some statistics now. The gas chamber, it'll take you eighteen minutes to an hour to die. But crucifixion, watch it, watch out now. It was invented by. The Persian, Persian, Persia is now called Iraq. Now they they invented crucifixion 300, 300 to four hundred years before Christ came, but the Romans found out about it and they perfected it. The Romans realized that if they would nail somebody to the cross with their arms up in the air, they knew that. That person would die between 10 to 12 minutes. Quick death. So, but the Romans realized that if they if they stretch their arms wide, stretch them out, and then nail them to the cross, they knew that that would be at least 24 hours of suffering, agony humiliation so that's why Jesus said take up your cross because anybody that saw a person carrying a cross in Jesus day unlike now we see people carrying a cross we say it's a fashion statement they they, they, they want to look good but Jesus knew that if they saw a person carrying a cross down the street there was only one thing ahead of them and that was death 
they was going to die. Oh, I know a lot of people ain't gonna like this kind of message. I know they die, but that's all right. Yeah, no, it's not all right, but that's your choice. Because Jesus said, if you can't do that, die to yourself daily. So I'm gonna take it even further. Look at Matthew chapter 10, verse, verse 38. Let's look at it. Jesus said, he that taketh not his cross, or he that don't take up his cross and follow me and follow after me, he's not worthy of me. Wow. She said, if you can't doubt it yourself daily and follow me, you, you can't follow me. Luke chapter 14. Now you can let this one soak in all night long and you can read it for yourself. Starting with verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him and he turned. This is Jesus. There was a bunch of them following him. He said unto them, if any man come after me and don't hate his father and mother and wife and children and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life. Also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever do not bear his cross and come after me, you cannot be my disciple. Keep reading. For which of you intended to build a tower, sit it not down as first? Which one of you that's going to build the tower, don't sit down first and count the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. Uh-oh. He said, which one of y'all gonna, now you're gonna build a tower, but you're not intelligent enough to sit down and count the cost of what it's gonna take to build the tower. You're in bad shape. So Jesus made that analogy and he said the same thing. He said, now, if you're gonna follow me, it's gonna cost you something. Because that's what a relationship is about with God. It's not about saying some words. It's about showing some action. God said he don't want your hand. He wants your heart. See, if he can get your heart, he got everything. This is about a, a, a relationship. It's about a love relationship. That's why a lot of people are not going to make it because they're really not in love with God. They got all kind of gods in front of them, in front of God. Little G gods. God said, I'm jealous. So all the stuff that you think that that you think of providing for you, that was me. But you putting stuff ahead of me. That's why I was so jealous of my wife when she turned to Christ. Because I didn't understand the relationship. Because I was the one she was following. I'm the one that was get, that was leading her. I was, but then, then all of a sudden, she literally did the scripture. She loved God more than me. That hurt it. Oh, that hurt it. But the key thing is, you see, when you go to church and you see people, you don't know if they real or not. You don't know if they change or not because they go through the motions. But when you live with somebody, 
and you watch them every day. You watch them. You knew how they used to do. You know what they used to do. You know how they used to be, how they used to act. And you see the change. See, that's why, that's why I came to Christ. I didn't come to keep from going to hell. I came because I understood that it was about having a relationship and having a peace. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, I've overcome the world. I'm going to leave the peace. The only way you can have inner peace is to have Christ, is to have a relationship with God. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. That word overcome means, it's the Greek word Nike. It means to be victorious. It means to conquer. He said, I already did that. And the only way you're going to do it is to be in a relationship with me. I don't know about you, but I like to have peace in mind. All the stuff that's coming that's coming into the world now. And I've noticed that a lot of people are turning into the word of God now. It's a lot of fear. It's a lot of anxiety. It's a lot of uncertainty in the world today. People are looking for answers. That's full of, this Bible is full of answers. And he had, he had raised up certain individuals to teach the word of God. Stop preaching people happy and tell them the truth. This thing is about relationship, not about the moves and the motions. It's about a changed heart. Denying yourself daily. Is that easy? Heck no, it's not easy. When I came to Christ, I was still full of full of mischief. But I know he could change me because I saw him change my life. You see, somebody got to have set the example. Somebody listen to me. People watch. They're watching you. They, they hear you when you say you say you're a Christian, you're a follower of Christ. But boy, what they hear out your mouth and what they see you do is confusing them. And you'll be a stumbling block to those that are really trying to get in. That are really trying to get into a relationship with, with the Lord. I, my prayer is that you do not stand in the way. We are so blessed to be in this country. To have crucifixion outlawed. is is considered inhumane. To suffer like that. But if you move to Saudi Arabia, and I hope you don't, Saudi Arabia still have crucifixion as capital punishment. Homosexuality is death by crucifixion in Saudi Arabia. There's, there's a few other crimes that you'll get crucified for in Saudi Arabia too. So you gotta you gotta understand that the, that the that the blessing God has put on you, but realize what it took for you to get into that relationship where he had to suffer. He suffered. There's a person, I heard this, and I, I wish it was me had said this, but I heard this the other day, and there was a preacher preaching it, and he said this. He said, victory depends on who hands is in. You probably heard it. Victory, Nike. Overcoming, it depends on who hands is in. He said, a, a piano, I'm getting ready to close. A piano in my hands, he said, I could play three keys. 
but a piano in Beethoven's hands, he can make a create a symphony. A paintbrush in my hand, he said, I'll make a mess. But a paintbrush in Picasso's hand, he can make a masterpiece. He said, a tennis racket in my hands, you'll laugh at me. But a tennis racket in Serena Williams' hand, she's arguably one of the most talented athletes that ever lived. He said, nails in my hand, I can hang a picture. But nails in Jesus' hand, all right, nails in Jesus' hand could cause the world to have salvation. Yeah, he put the nails in his hand. They, they, they stretched them wide, but I tell you what, if he went through all that to get me in, then me being obedient is not asking for a whole life. Me getting rid of some stuff that I like, that God's displeased with, that is not no big deal. But what he went through for me to have that relationship, it costs, y'all. It costs. Jesus said, count the cost. He said, wide is the road to destruction. And a lot of people going to follow that road. But he said, narrow is the gate. Narrow is the road to eternal life. And only a few is going to go in. I pray that you wanted them, those few that count up the cost and say, you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it to follow Christ. It's worth it to, to give. It's worth it to, to, to study. It's worth it to, to fast and, and, and to get on my knees and pray. It's worth it to be in the word of God every day to, to make sure I can keep my head on straight. It's worth it. It costs him something. It's going to cost you something. I pray right now that somebody under the sound of my voice God revealed something to them. God gave them a revelation. I pray that that's you. I pray, God, that somebody will come to Christ. I was at this church the other day, and I'm closing. I went to a church a couple of weeks ago. I was invited to, to join them. I'm not going to say who they were. But this pastor, at the end of service, I was waiting. I was waiting for him to do an altar call. And he didn't do it. Wind up asking him later, how come you didn't do an altar call? He said, Jeff, we don't do altar calls here. He said, we don't even, we don't even baptize people. What kind of pastor would let souls that seek in salvation just walk out the door and don't even give them a chance to get in to heaven? That's not my kind. I'm not that kind of pastor. And I'm right now, I'm going to give a chance. I know there's some who already accepted Christ as your personal Savior. This is not for you. But this is for somebody who didn't understand what it cost to be in a relationship with the Lord, God the Father. This is for you. The blood is not on my hands. 
you can receive it or reject it. And there's a lot of people that's gonna hear this and they're they, they gonna laugh and not receive it. That's your choice. But you'll never be able to say, I didn't know. So if that's you, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for being confused and not understanding. But I see the light and I pray that you come into my heart. I desire a personal relationship with you. I desire fellowship with you. Come into my heart and give me a new heart and a new mind so I can serve you all the days of my life. I repent of my sin. That means I'm turning from my old ways and turning to Christ for a new life. Thank you, Lord, for not letting me die in my sins. Thank you, Father, for letting me come home. In Jesus Christ's name. If you said that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Stay on your knees. Stay in communication. Stay in fellowship with God. Daily. It ain't gonna, you're not going to get rid of everything in one day. But God knows your heart and he knows if you really want to try. Amen. Many people, you got so many, man, even in the church that's partying, going out to the clubs, but you see them in the church. You know, some even in positions and it's confusion, confusing people. Like I said, there's gonna be a lot of people in heaven that you didn't that 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 you probably thought would make it. Mm -hmm. And there's gonna be, there'll be some people in there that you probably didn't think would make it. Mm -hmm. Because it does go back to the heart. And uh, you know, the scripture just it, it speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. You know, people can say I got a good heart and all that, but are you following the rules? Are you following the directions? Are you, are you accepting the counsel that Jesus said you have to do in order to be my disciple? Doing, doing stuff yeah. is not qualify you to be a disciple. It's the intent. You can't be a stumbling block. You can't, you call yourself, a, you profess to be a Christian, but you if you're confusing people as you, you know, you, you making them doubt or don't understand, you being a stumbling block, you better make sure you check out your salvation status. You're probably not saved because mm -hmm. you don't want to hurt the one that you love like that. This, mm -hmm. You don't want to do that. And yeah. I'm talking about God. When you're in love with him, when you have yeah. a relationship with him, you put him first before you put yourself yeah. and your kids and your husband and your wife. This I just read you the scripture. This it's deeper than what people think it is. It's not just simple to say a few words and say, well, God knows my heart. Not that simple. It's a requirement, y'all. It's going to cost. It's going to cost. Why, they, they, the, other, the other verse, uh, they say, well, God said to come as, come as you are, right? Coming to Jesus as you are, he don't care about how you are when you get there. But when mm -hmm. you walk with him, you got to change. Mm -hmm. You can't come as you are and follow him as you are. It don't work like that. It's, mm -hmm. It don't work like that. He, I just gave you scripture proving that. Mm -hmm. You got to deny yourself. Deny. You're just, you got to give up your desire for his desire. That's exactly what those scriptures mean. That's why a lot of people stop. They stop following Christ because they don't want to. 
the, the young rich, the rich young ruler, what did he say? Yeah. He wanted to follow. He wanted to follow Christ. First thing God said, well, Jesus said, go sell yeah. everything. Mm -hmm. Get that money up. He said, I don't, I don't know about all that. <laughs> now, I was just about to say, I think that's the biggest problem that followers of Christ have. They don't want to give stuff up that they used to and like. Mm -hmm. there it is. He this gave up his life for you, but you can't give up some drinking and smoking, and you still breathing. What? Don't, look, don't mm -hmm. get me started. <laughs> me, you know, some of it is common sense, but I mean, if people don't read that, they won't bother them. Mm -hmm. and, if, and if people don't preach that, it won't bother them. It's what you know that convicts your heart. If you if you really love the Lord, like you say. And you know what he wants. You know what he requires. You read it. This wasn't something somebody made up and told you. It's it's in writing. Red writing at that. If that don't make you want to change, chances are you haven't repented. Mm -hmm. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. This, this one just scared my pants off. And I'll never forget it. Not everyone mm -hmm. that said to me, Lord. That, that, you know the scripture. Mm-hmm. They prophesied, they cast out demons, they performed miracles, and Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. Wait a minute. I was in church prophesying. I was, I, I did, you performed miracles through me. Jesus said, listen, we didn't, but we didn't have no fellowship. We didn't have no relationship. No, you, you was doing that in your own, your own. So, you, that's why people got to really make sure that they got a relationship. Do you think it's harder? Do you think it's harder for the men to change than the women, or do you see it the same? Or no, not the same. Okay. In, in my opinion, mm -hmm. you know why it's not? It, no, I believe it's not the same because we're not wired the same. Okay. Women are right brain caring, caring creatures. They understand love. Men are different. We we don't we don't get that. We we we, we go by logic. We left brain creatures. Uh -huh. Stuff got to make sense for us before we really want to do it. Uh -huh. Okay. But women, women, women love. It's easy for a woman to love. But God never told a woman to love a man. He had, he told a woman to respect the man. Men res understand respect. Mm -hmm. But he told us that we got to learn how to love. Y'all don't. It's built in. Okay. So a lot of a lot of things gotta make sense before a man wanna accept it. Mm -hmm. so that's the part of our brain that we use, unfortunately. That's mm -hmm. so there it is. Are you saying like you can't consume alcohol? Like can you have beer or wine after work or something like that? Now it, we gotta understand that if the scripture said don't I'm going to put it like this. I don't believe that having a drink of wine is a sin. I just don't. Because the scripture don't say it is. Now, if it was a sin that Jesus was a sinner because he drank wine. However, there's some people who can't do it if they, was, if they couldn't manage it before. They need to stop doing it because it'll lead them back to what they, that lifestyle. Got it. So whatever you can't manage, you don't, 
don't mess with it. That's just the bottom line. Some people, it's not going to agree with me. Well, show me scripture. If you show it to me in the word, and I know it. I didn't read it all. Trust me, I've seen it. And uh, and, and common sense will tell you if, if having a glass of wine was a sin, then Jesus was a sinner. And you can't tell me he didn't drink because that was their custom. He said he, he admitted that he drank. He said, I, he said, John the Baptist came neither uh, drinking or eating certain food, and you call him a wine. A wine. Yeah. He said, but I, he said, but he said he did it. You got to understand. And, and Paul put it like this he called it a weaker brother issue. Paul said, there's some things that maybe. I could, I, I could do that's beneficial, but it may be not be beneficial to another believer. It may cause them to stumble. Right. So I'm not going to do that around them because they can't handle it. Yeah. But I, 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 in, my own, in the quarters of my own home, if I wanted to do something that's not that's not illegal, that's not a sin, of, uh, not a sin that's, a, that's beneficial, that's not beneficial for those that can't relate to it, then don't do it. But the scripture says, do not get drunk of wine. It's a fact that if you can't handle it, you'll, you'll overdo it and you'll wind up sinning, you'll wind up hurting somebody and the next day you won't even remember it. So, mm. I mean, that that's that's a debate. It's going to be a debate about every, every scripture in this Bible. That's why I always pray, Lord, give me understanding. I, don't give me no commentary. Don't give me no, God, I don't want to Google I want God to give me an understanding, and as, and as long as I get, as long as I got the Holy Ghost, He'll convict me if it's if it's not right. That's why a lot of pastors don't like to take these certain questions because they they they're afraid and they don't have some of them don't have answers. Yeah, some just want to stay away from it. But I'm not running away. I'm not. I'm not going to shy away from those scriptures. Only thing I just want to do is I don't want to teach it if I don't get it. Mm -hmm. If I don't get a revelation, uh, mm -hmm. if I don't get an understanding, I can't teach it because I don't know how. But Pastor Mary, are you going to pray for us? Pray us out. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just lift up your name on high. We just thank you for this Bible study on this training, this basic training tonight. And thank you for all the information that Bishop gave to us father on different parts of the bible father in the name of jesus and answered the questions most of the questions and and i pray that it becomes revelation in our spirit so we can be obedient to be able to do your will Thank and you. on the one on love father teach us how to put instill your love in us because you're love and if you're in us then we should be loving so I ask that you instill your love in us so we can be that example, Father, so more people will be drawn unto you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Just thank you for all the information. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the knowledge and wisdom. But thank you all. Thank you most all for the understanding of your word. I thank you for how you bless Bishop to just take the time and be patient with us and answer the questions, Father, in the name of Jesus and how you bless him with the knowledge that he has, Father, above and beyond a lot of the pastors, Father. Thank you for the ones that were able to join us, Father. I ask that you meet every need. 
I ask that you watch over and keep us and bless us as we leave and go our separate ways, Father, and bless us to be able to come again, um, that your will be done and come back again, Father. The blood of Jesus covers us, Father, in the name of Jesus. I ask that you meet Bishop's needs in this household, Father, and each and every need for everyone that's on here, Father. And we just thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And we give you all glory and praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. Thank you for that prayer, Pastor Mary Jane. I received that. Praise God. What a powerful, powerful word. We'd like to thank Dr. Lehman Newtall from Thy Word Worship Center, located in Plymouth, Minnesota, for joining us and delivering that powerful, powerful word. Telling the truth, breaking it down so we can all understand it. Until next time, God bless and thanks for joining us.